0: Hello to all my lovers, winners, and dreamers. Welcome back to another episode of Kiki with Gigi, where we do the work and take substantial steps towards fulfilling our greatest potential. From building emotional intelligence to rewiring harmful behavioral patterns, we're here to talk about it all, and nothing is off limits. If you're new here, allow me to give you a crash course on how we go about this. Specifically, we target the shadow, which is the part of your personality that's hidden outside of your awareness. It's another side of you that has its own desires and wants. In fact, it's the unseen reason why your life is the way it is right now. While you have your own desires and dreams, your unconscious shadow might not agree with what you want, and this is where behaviors like self-sabotage come in. Whether you like it or not, your shadow has more control over your life than you do, and until you get yourselves both on the same page, you'll continue living the same cycles you've been repeating your entire life this is where shadow work comes in. Shadow work is the process of bringing your unconscious self into conscious awareness. The purpose of shadow work, which can be accomplished in a variety of ways, is to connect the conscious and unconscious minds. Simply coming into agreement with the shadow is all that's necessary to connect with it. It's like a confessional That can occasionally be cathartic. In honor of Valentine's Day, today I'm going to hop on and talk about the different attachment styles that we develop as a result of our upbringing. For those who are unfamiliar with attachment theory, it focuses on relationships and bonds between people especially long-term ones, and includes those between a parent and child, as well as between romantic partners. One of the central claims in attachment theory is that belongingness is an essential human need, much like shelter or water. And primary caregivers who are available and responsive to a child's needs, allow them to develop a sense of security. Ideally, the child learns that the caregiver is dependable, which creates a secure base for the child to then explore the world. Depending on how that need is met, the child will go on to develop one of four different attachment styles. In a situation like the one I just described, the child will develop a secure attachment style. However, this isn't always the case. And if a caregiver doesn't prove themselves to be dependable, the child can develop an anxious, an avoidant, and a disorganized or anxious avoidant attachment style. Now, this is quite a big topic, so I'll be breaking it down by focusing on one attachment style per episode. Before we dive in, though, I want to start by covering a very important aspect of the social nature of human life, that being the most significant factor in shaping the physiological development of the brain is the emotional relationship with the parenting environment. You see, there are very necessary conditions for optimal brain development. A few being the caregiver must be emotionally available, consistently available, not stressed, not depressed as well as being responsive or attuned to the needs of the child. Anything that interferes with this will have an impact on brain development. This is a fact. The interaction of the environment is how the brain develops. Now, of course, there's the genetic side of it, the coding, of the potential of it all, as well as the trajectory of development in terms of what circuits will develop when. Those things are genetically set, but how they will develop, how successfully they will unfold and connect, what systems of the brain will become dominant, that is not genetically programmed. That depends on the interaction of the individual with the environment. That being said, when a child's immediate need for a secure attachment bond is not met, the child feels threatened and will react accordingly, such as by crying or calling out for their caregiver. Moreover, If the need for a stable bond is not met consistently, the infant can and most likely will develop social, emotional, and even cognitive problems leading to the development of an insecure attachment style. Now this is significant because as I said before, Our attachment style creates a particular dynamic that we relate to other people in relationships as adults. If you're someone who finds yourself repeating harmful patterns in relationships, this is something you might wanna look into. Chances are there are wounds stemming all the way back from childhood that are still affecting you in ways you aren't even aware of. So, The style we're going to be touching on today is the Anxious Attachment style. At the core of Anxious Attachment is being raised in an environment that's emotionally neglectful, inconsistent, or chaotic, where the child cannot fully develop a sense of self, Some people with anxious attachment describe an internal feeling of emptiness and a constant need for external validation, attention, or reassurance, or all of the above. One can develop anxious attachment style from a parent with chronic anxiety, or parents who look to children to get their own needs met, neglecting the child's needs in the process. For example, a parent who wants a child to be a friend or a peer who supports them. One can also develop an anxious attachment style from parents who are shut down, cold, and unresponsive, or parents who expect the child to raise themselves or even their siblings. This is known as parentification. Another way is parents who are unpredictable in behavior leading to the child having a feeling of like, you know, like walking on eggshells around them. You can also develop anxious attachment from parents who are highly protective, meaning that they more than likely have an anxious attachment style themselves. And finally, you can develop anxious attachment from a parent who has this kind of like Jekyll and Hyde persona, you know, like where they're different in public than they are at home, but like in an extreme sense. It's common for those with anxious attachment to have an intense fear of being alone or having like a high level of conflict within relationships, you know, having issues with communication and subconsciously sabotaging relationships. In adult relationships, anxious attachment can manifest as like a strong abandonment wound, you know, like a fear that you'll be abandoned or left like you were when you were a child. It can also manifest as like feeling anxious or suspicious of partners when in relationships. You could look like obsessing over partners or even outside of romantic relationships, it can look like saying yes to everything and overbooking yourself, you know, like not having or setting boundaries, chronic people pleasing and even self-betrayal or self-abandonment for the sake of love. Now, in no way do I encourage self-diagnosis, but if some or all of this describes you, again, it might be something you want to look into, as any insecure attachment style can be a major blockage to love in all its forms. The thing about anxious attachment is that a central theme surrounding it is abandonment. When we experience emotional abandonment as children, it can leave us feeling anxious, distrustful, inadequate, and ashamed. These feelings frequently follow us into adulthood and make it challenging for us to establish healthy, dependable relationships. Now, personally, I actually have a disorganized attachment style also known as anxious avoidant attachment or fearful avoidant. So while I may not have just plain old anxious attachment, I do kind of like understand what it's like. You know, for me, I'm currently working on being grounded and centered and moving from that place. But if there's a situation where someone is not there for me when I feel like they should be, it does evoke an emotional response, you know? I get sad or mad or confused or maybe even all three. And that's the power of implicit emotional memory. It rules us really and we don't even realize it. So it's very important to become aware of these things, you know? Becoming conscious of the issue enables you to notice that emotion rising up. And then you go, aha, okay. What's that about? You know, you recognize it. And from that state of awareness, you can hold it mindfully, like a baby. And then you just look, what is this actually about? And then it comes. Most of the time, it's old stuff, childhood stuff. And As that surfaces, the opportunity to process and release it presents itself. So yes, the solution is mindfulness. But I'm here to lay out the problem. The implicit emotional memory within you. You know, multi-generational stress and trauma that's passed on and affects brain development. And we wonder why we have so many developmental disorders that are at an all-time high. It's literally the biology of loss. And how we respond to it these days is medication and behavioral control. And I think that's part of the problem. As a society, we're way too focused on treating the symptoms rather than healing the root cause. As a child, being abandoned is like being punished simply for having needs, specifically a need for understanding and attachment. This can lead up to a person not developing a healthy, assertive ego, which eventually builds up into a habit of self-abandonment. And this prevents a person's ability to develop discernment and results in falling prey to people who are not well-intentioned. They'll sniff that shit out and they they just know what to say to hook you. And once they've got you hooked, it's, it's downhill from there. The shadow belief behind all of this is that Identifying your own needs threatens your own survival because you are made vulnerable to being abandoned again. It's through reparenting, becoming your own parent, or even forfeiting your traumatized childhood identity that you can begin to heal your inner child wounds and mend your psyche. As a result, you learn to give yourself fulfillment and the love you have always sought from others. That's all I have for today, but as always, I'll leave you with some prompts to get those gears moving in the right direction. And if you want to reach out and have me elaborate on something, or, you know, maybe just want someone to talk to, I'm on Instagram. <laughs> Shameless promo. I mean, you're literally listening to my podcast, so I, don't, I really don't give a damn. It's at Gigi Boricua. That's two Gs, as in Gigi. G-G-B-O-R-I-Q-U-A. Gigi <laughs> Okay, no, but these prompts. <laughs> The first one is, what is one thing you wanted as a child but didn't receive? Why did you want it? And why didn't you receive it? The second one is, do you stay silent so as not to experience rejection? If you do, where do you think this started? Finally, the third one. As an adult, you aren't abandoned, but you can be left. And the feelings of abandonment are emotions from early trauma. So, how can you make yourself feel better about being alone? For me personally, One thing I wanted as a child uh, (laughs) is really simple. It's just self-expression of my authentic truth. I've always been very different, and I've... I, I mean, you don't come into the world with shame, but it is something... I think shame is like a learned behavior. And... Yeah, it just... The acceptance of that is something I don't think I really ever got until later on when I gave it to myself. Um, Why do I think I didn't receive it? Probably because even though it was something that was natural to me, my natural state of being is unnatural to the status quo and therefore unnatural. To people, or rather, they perceive it as being unnatural. And so they taught me to inhibit it just like they were taught to inhibit themselves. So, yeah, there was a time, and even still now, I do still kind of remain silent so as not to experience rejection. I am sensitive to rejection, but like, I don't know, dude. If I was gonna say it started anywhere, I would have to say it started in childhood. It usually does, honestly. It usually is like childhood shit, but. Anyways, I'm chill. It's like um, that one song. You don't have to be lonely being alone. I love my solitude, dude. I'm my best fucking friend. And you have to be on like another level of special for me to invite you into a threesome with me and my solitude, if that makes sense, (laughs) because I value it so much. I really do when I'm alone is like I feel like it's the only time I can just like just let go and I have to like really feel some kind of way about you to invite you into that space. But anyways, I'm random rambling. And if you're still listening from the bottom of my heart and soul, I pray you attract someone who speaks your soul language. So you don't have to spend a lifetime translating your soul. This goes not only for romantic relationships, but your close friendships too. Explaining and proving yourself can just be so exhausting, man. And you deserve to have people around you who are on your same wavelength, who resonate with you on like a soul level, and who support you and love you for you. So for the love of God, do not settle for less. Don't do it, don't, don't do it. (laughs) Once again, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to me today. I appreciate you so, so much. Remember, you are loved because darling, you are love. And you are never alone. Remember that. I really hope some of this resonated with you and brought some clarity to your day. Take care of yourself and do the work. Because it's worth it. You're worth it. Ciao.